Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode 157 of Dude and a Monkey. I am currently recording this in my lounge while Lottie watches something on the TV, so if you can hear stuff in the background, it won't be for the whole show. My name's Ian Loring, as always, I am joined by... Matt Foster, hello everybody! And uh, today we have... Um, should be an interesting one, this. So, review is going to be of Gavin O'Connor's um, latest production, one with production strife all over the place. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, Jane got a gun. Uh, we're also talking about some what we watched, uh, some uh, trailers, and probably some other tangents. And uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. Well, no, that's Totoro, isn't it, Lots? <laughs> oh, is that my? <laughs> it's your, your sky bike on. <laughs> my sky bike on is Totoro. <laughs> and Lots, what's on my shirt today? Um, Kappa. Yeah, Kappa. Kappa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, Mark, do you want to talk for a bit, buds, and I'll mute my mic? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, well, uh, I mean, as, as has anything happened, I suppose, this week in the wonderful world of film? I mean, we've had, um, well... I suppose the, the big the big story that I think we have yeah, to yeah, the yeah. film is uh, is the sad passing of, of Prince, a a huge favourite of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah that's brilliant. Uh, oh God, she's off out in the kitchen now. Sorry, Mark. Um, what, uh, the, the thing is, like when an older actor or celebrity or musician or whatever dies it is like yeah that's sad yeah but i don't know you kind of get on with it but with both bowie and prince it's just like you kind of feel like they should have been around for a good 20 30 years yeah before you've got to deal with that absolutely you know you thought with bowie you'd get at least another 10 you know 10 to 20 years out out of him um you know and with prince you know like you say you, you know you thought you'd get another sort of 30 years out of him. Um, and then I know I was, um, I was actually going to a call at work and I just had a look at my thing and there's a WhatsApp message from Noel just saying, uh, what's going on with this Prince thing? Yeah. And that was, that was it. Um, and then I got, went in the call, came out 20 minutes later, got in the car and Becky just said, Prince has died. And it was, What? And then uh, you, it was one of those things where you're looking at it and it's on TMZ and you're thinking, oh, I hope this is fake. But deep down, you kind of know it's not. The thing is, yeah, I mean, like TMZ, in the end of the day, when they are actually saying, this is dead, I, we've got multiple sources saying it. It's pretty much right. Fair enough, then. Yeah. That, that's that. And, you know, and there you go. There it was. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you say, huge... A huge person for this podcast. Um, for I mean, I think for our little group of friends generally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the aborted Purple Rain commentary we tried to do in the cottage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I will never ever ever forget Noel having a nervous breakdown while Darling Nikki was was on. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was intense. It was. It was intense. It was basically Noel screaming the lyrics, yeah. like screaming them with his. I think with his eyes closed. Yep. And and it was legit terrifying. Yeah, and then he, and then he literally got up, went out of the room. We didn't see him again for the rest of the night. 
That's right, yeah. He went to bed, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, just massive, a massive, massive loss. I mean, just, you know, he still, like, he still looked really well. Like, he was doing his pub, he, like, he's still appearing publicly and whatnot. But then again, I mean, like, that, that sh- photo of Bowie that was taken, like, two days before he died. Yeah, it, 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 it's that. It, it, the thing is, it's that kind of thing that, that comes out where um, it, it, there was a lot of a lot of news saying, well, "What was he? Was he secretly ill and everything like that?" And it's like, well, no, he might have just been ill and keeping it private. Yeah, <laughs> like he kept most of his private life as private as he possibly could. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I just hope for the the amount of religious content he, his work had. I do hope there's something thereafter for him. Well, that that's it. You know, everyone's everyone's has their own version of it, and I hope for for you know that, that his version for him was 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 right. Uh, it's just incredible that we that you know we've lost a, 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 an unbelievably sort of unique uh, musician, um, and you know you don't I don't sort of you, you don't get musicians sort of often like that anymore that um, are quite simply purely about music and the music and that's that's it. You know, he never, he didn't get involved in, he didn't have a, a drug problem, he never had a drink problem, he never had a scandal as such, really. It was just always, this was a guy who lived and breathed to, to, to make music and to, to be innovative and to do things and to have this, you know, control that he was in charge of all these things. And um, it's just sad that the, the fact that the, the like of that guy, you know, isn't, unlikely to, to come around kind of again because not because that there aren't people willing to kind of put in that effort and that amount of um sort of time and dedication and discipline into learning a bunch of instruments and then doing all that it's just the simple fact is that no record company anymore is ever going to give that amount of power to one person yeah no no exactly i mean jesus christ you wouldn't have paisley park if it wasn't the amount of freedom that Warner Brothers gave him in the 80s. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it just absolutely insane. We'll talk more about Prince later on because I, you know, I watched a, a, a bit of Prince stuff. Yes, well, I, I watched I watched Purple Rain as well, so. Uh, I, I watched Graffiti Bridge, so we'll we'll get into that. Yes, uh, we will. Uh, tribute to the man. Yes. <laughs> um, but, I, right, I'll just be a sec. Okay, so um, I'm now... Um, Lottie free, so uh, nothing in the background now. Um, so trailers, Mark. Um, I've had a busy one myself. I don't know about you. I've, I've watched quite a few actually. Yeah. Mm, mm. Um, so oops, I'll just bring up the thing. Um, right. Uh, Magnificent Seven. The yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's an interesting cast. It's it's. Uh, I mean, it, the funny thing is, it is it's a remake of a a kind of remake adaptation anyway. Um, so it's um, yeah, it it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Really, it's a it's a it's an interesting cast. It's an interesting director to to, to bring on. Um, but then. 
you know, Denzel Washington's fine. Matt Bomb, you didn't expect something like that from him. But then you've also got like Ethan Hawke in there. I think Vinnie Jones is in it at some point. Um, oh, Byung Hung Lee's in it. Mm. Um, and then Chris Pratt is is in it. He does seem like he's going to kind of add that little bit of um, sort of comedic value to it in that kind of that presence that he has. Uh, Haley Bennett's a good, you know, a good choice to have within that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm very much, very much up for it. Um, it's it kind of the westerns have had this little bit of a, a resurgence over the past sort of four or five years, and we're we're getting some all right ones, and we're getting some some sort of very good ones. So it, it's nice the fact that you know ten or fifteen years ago the western was something that you just nobody touched. It was, uh, you know, off the table, and now it's. It's sort of a viable genre again, and it's it's a nice genre to have around there because it, it's an incredibly pretty genre to have, really. Um, and this looks like it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. It's like ten years ago, you'd imagine Ethan Hawke and Denzel would be the big draws, but now it's like Ethan Hawke's kind of like the third banana. Yeah. Um, and it's I don't know. It's going to be. I'm assuming Ethan Hawke's probably going to be quite like quiet and down to earth and whatnot. And you're gonna have Chris Pratt, Pratt kind of taking on the um, the cocky, charming kind of guy. You know, I mean, it's it that I, it's interesting. It's it, I, I'm very, very, very up for it. It looks really nice this yes. trailer, and Peter Sarsgaard as a mustache twirling villain. <laughs> yes. Just in the trailer alone, he looks like he's going to have more fun than Ewan McGregor did in Jane Got a Gun, which we will get to. But it. <laughs> It kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. This kind of looks like what I would have liked Jane Got a Gun to have been, in in a way. Um, you know, it's so. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, very up for it. It looks like a lot of fun, and considering the the combination of cast and crew, as long as it's released at the right time, this kind of feels like maybe like a sept- an August or September. September, it's gonna be. Yeah, man, this is gonna, this is gonna destroy at the box office yeah, in it's... September. It's late September, I think it gets released. So it's the it's in that interim bit between where you've got where you you've got summer's over, but nobody wants to fucking shoot their load and release a an awards pick before really November at the absolute sort of earliest. Yeah. So you've got yeah. September and October is where you can actually get a lot of really really solid films. You can probably get as much that will trouble your top ten in those two months as you will in the awards season sure. months. Because a lot of the time with the awards season stuff, you know, you get it and you go, oh, I mean, for instance, last year we got Sicario um, mm. came out around that time. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. It, it looks like it could be, could be a lot of fun. And it look, also, it looks like it's going to be one of those ones that's going to be a real, I am looking forward to seeing this on the big screen. Totally, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very down. I'm really, uh, yeah, up for it. Um, I'm looking forward to another trailer, maybe giving us a hint of the interactions between the seven. But yeah. I, I think this teaser does a good job of setting it up. Absolutely. I mean, it is, that's it. It's, it's, a, it's a teaser rather than a trailer, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. is that. Uh, the next one, uh, The Infiltrator, uh, Brian Cranston and John Leguizamo uh, this one. Yeah. play um, undercover cops uh, trying to infiltrate um, Pablo Escobar's Miami connections a um, lot of kind of Pablo Escobar stuff over the past sort of two three years um, so it interests me because it's a topic that, that generally interests me anyway uh, Cranston's 
Cranston's doing sort of really well uh, out of this, right, I can basically do what the fuck I want post-breaking bad uh, and, and taking on things that interest him. Uh, and a lot of the time, the stuff that interests him is his interesting work. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. And, uh, sorry, I had my mic muted. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, I mean, what, what else have you got? I've got quite a few, actually, yeah. Okay. Um, Jason Bourne. The uh, fifth, yeah, fifth. I'm right, aren't I? Aren't I? The fifth, fifth born, the fourth one with Damon in. Fifth born, fourth one with Damon, third one by Greengrass. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, it, the thing is, it looks more in tune with Legacy than it does with the first three. And it looks a little bit, I don't know, it looks a little bit too bombastic for Bourne for me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the thing is, the, the the action movie scene has changed a lot in the last nine years, and I think yeah. I think I'm right in saying Ultimatum was 2007. Um, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Yeah, because Green Zone was like '09, I think. So that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, so I, I. I I, I see what you're saying there. I kind of think it had to be, but I think as long as it, I, 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 I just Greengrass and Damon wouldn't have gone back to this unless there was some point to them going back to it. In the end of the day, Damon's fine. Greengrass is is, is fine. You know, Captain Phillips did well. Green Zone less so, but Captain Phillips did well. He's got, you know, he's not a He's not an A-lister, but he's a pretty high B-lister. Yeah, he, he, he's not going to have to worry about going three, four years without working unless he wants to go three, four years without working. And Matt Damon doesn't. Matt Damon doesn't need Bond. No, no, no. That's, that's Bond that, needs Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah. As as proven by Legacy, Bond needs Matt Damon absolutely. Um, even though I'm kind of looking forward to going back through the Bond films because I actually remember quite liking Bond Legacy back in the time. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to going back through them because um, I've. I've only watched each of them once, and it oh. took me it took me about nine, and I'm not kidding it, it took me about nine goes to get through uh, the Bond identity. Uh, but not that it wasn't very good, it's just for some reason, it was literally, like, that film got to a certain point, and it just went, and sleep, to me, and I just fell asleep. And, and that was it. And it wasn't like I always like, watched it late on at night, I could start watching it, like, two o'clock in the afternoon, with, like, a coffee, um, fucking an RC cola, and then just loads of sugary sweets just going right I am watching this and then like 20 minutes in sleep and that would happen to me uh, and then I eventually watched it I was like I really enjoyed that yeah 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 I, I no I mean that I don't know they're, they're films of a of a, of a slightly different time already I think and yeah I mean the, the Las Vegas car chase stuff kind of looks insane but I, I, I'm intrigued to see what story they've got to tell um, I'm I'm very up for watching it this trailer doesn't make me particularly up for it, but the f- the fact that and the title as well, Jesus. Um, but yeah, just calling it Jason. But it should have been called anything: Born Return or Return of the Born or Born Again. I don't you know, know. Any Born, of those things. The Born Redemption, the Born Resurgence. You know, yeah. like, well, Resurgence Independence Day. But um, yeah. but yeah, I the, the, the trailer doesn't get me particularly up for it, but I'm still going to go and see it, and I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's pretty much where I am, yeah, with it. Um, next one, uh, Cafe Society, the, the this year's Woody Allen movie uh, stars Jesse Eisenberg doing a Woody Allen impression. 
Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't seen this trailer yet. Is that pretty much all there is to it, eh? Um, Woody Allen uh, went, oh, what's my most popular movie of like the past few years been? Uh, oh, Midnight in Paris has been, uh, what is it? I, I, I better go back to that kind of, that era um, that, that gave me success there. Uh, and so he's done Cafe Society and it's, it, it does look a little bit like, it looks a little bit like it's going to be 94 minutes long and I'm going to watch it and go, I, I just don't get on with Woody Allen films. Fair like like I do with pretty much every single Woody Allen movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's I generally will decide whether I watch a Woody Allen film in the cinema by the reviews. Um, the fact it's opening can, I think, does give you some hope. Um, just because like they could have easily just had it like have an out of competition screening and be done with it. But the fact it's actually opening can. Even though it is out of competition, but like the fact it's got that prestige slot makes me think mm, maybe there's actually something to it this time. But mm. you know, we'll, we'll see what the what the reviews are. I mean, Jesus, can, can starts in like a few weeks, so it won't be long. If it was opening competition, I'd, I'd be more positive. But it, it does feel a little bit like it feels a little bit like it, it, it's a movie kind of gone. That's the kind of movie that should be opening can with the kind of style of it and the way it looks, etc. Sure, it, it seems a very canny movie. Mm. Um, Next one, uh, to the trailer for uh, Hands of Stone, uh, the Edgar Ramirez uh, De Niro boxing movie one. Mm. Um, I'll watch De Niro in anything. So, and this has actually got a little bit of a little bit of sort of quiet buzz about it. Yeah, nice. I, I haven't watched the trailer, but yeah, I'm interested. Mm, um, next one, a red band for uh, Mike and Dave need wedding dates. Um, Mike and Dave played by that guy from uh, is it Workaholics that was also in Pitch Perfect yeah he's in Modern Family as well Adam Devine's his name yeah um, and uh, um, uh, Zephron um, and then they decide that they need to get dates for their daughter's wedding and they're told that they, their daughter's their uh, sister's, sister's wedding. wedding yeah, yeah uh, and they have to get sort of respectable dates etc um, and Party Girls, played by Aubrey Plaza and uh, Anna Kendrick, come along. Um, the trailer's red band, so there's a lot of uh, books, shits, cocks and balls and everything in it. Um, Aubrey Plaza looks like she's comfortable in doing that, because that's basically her thing, is to yep. stand there and say cock, tits, and look sarcastic. Yep. Uh, Anna Kendrick couldn't look more uncomfortable doing the same thing. It looks a little bit like going, ah, come on. Come on, you, you literally ran back to your trailer, threw up, and started throwing dollars in a swear jar. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's. And then I'll, I'll actually, watch the. Have you watched the Red Band trailer for this? Yeah, um, Adam Devine talking about the, uh, the the double whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, that made me laugh actually. But to be honest, I, I thought the last. It was, it, I was watching, it going, I'm gonna watch this on Netflix at some point, and then the last kind of 15, 20 seconds of the trailer made me go. Ugh. <laughs> like that really but it's it's Zephron so I'll watch it um, I, I'd, be, I'd, I'd be up for watching it in the cinema if there's nothing else better out that week I'm like it, Dirty yeah. Grandpa you know uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming out on uh, on home release oh, yeah. um, uh, Girl on the Train the Emily Blunt movie uh, mystery yeah yeah I'm up for that yeah yeah. It looks like this year's Gone Girl um, yes yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it I'll watch it <laughs> Yeah, that is it. Doesn't like this year's Gone Girl. I love the same. I'll I'll watch it. Uh, the founder. Yeah, man. I I am um, fine with Michael Keaton playing a prick talking to the camera. I'm gonna yeah. All yeah. good. 
I'm I'm very very much up for that. Probably my, probably my favourite trailer of the week, to be honest. That one, um, just because Keaton's in fine form at the moment, and, uh-huh. and you watch it going, hang on a minute, I get to spend uh, two hours with Michael Keaton essentially stealing McDonald's. Yes. Yep. Yes. 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 Here, have my money, because because even if even if it's not a great film, that's going to be entertaining as fuck to watch. Totally. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm. I'm... I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you've seen that, that you want to add? Uh, yeah, a couple. Um, Red Band for the Do Over, which is the next um, Sandler film that he's got that contract with Netflix for. All right. Um, so I, I actually laughed at the trailer. I'm going to watch this. <laughs> yeah. I bet you will. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's I, I, I will. You know. Um, the Ridiculous Six, I didn't think, was the worst thing ever, when it should have been. It wasn't very good, but... <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't as terrible as you expected. And it's also the nicest thing I've seen in 4K on Netflix yet, so, you know, there's that. Um, I'm assuming the do-over will be in 4K, so there's a reason to watch it, but I don't know. It, it, it looks like it could be interesting. It's basically David Spade plays a like a sad sack guy. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. David Spade and Adam Sandler movie. I know who the fun it, is. It's Rob Schneider in it as well. I'm, not in the trailer, but there's it's a very enough. solid bit with Louise Guzman in the trailer. Oh, uh, well, of course there is. It's Louise Guzman. Yeah. Um, so, basically, David Spade plays this guy who kind of wants to, like, get out of his life, basically. He plays the manager of a bank, but the bank's inside a shopping... Uh, in, inside, inside a supermarket... And, and there's like bits of him, like just somebody with a trolley looking confused and him being like, no, this is a bank. This is a bank. Like, Trisha, can you come and help out this lady? I don't know. It made me laugh. Sue me. Um, but basically, Adam Sandler plays like an old school friend of his who um, fakes their deaths. And then they, they kind of like start over. Um, and uh, it kind of looks like it's it turns into a bit of like a druggy action comedy kind of thing, like down in Miami. So... Yeah, why not? I'm pretty sure it's the Friday before the late May bank holiday, so I will absolutely like chill out and watch this late on like the Sunday night or something. It's fine it's by me. Produced by um, Goldberg and Rod- uh, and Rogan, isn't it? Is it really? Yeah. That yeah. actually has me more interested. Um, yeah, I mean we'll we'll see. I mean, God, it's directed by Stephen Brill, so yeah, yeah. But hey. Uh, I've like I I, I I do you know what I, I've actually liked a few of the Brill films to be honest. He, I, he I, did Little Nicky, didn't he? He did Little Nicky. Mr. Deeds was a solid film. Yeah, Mr. Deeds wasn't bad. I like Without a Paddle. To be honest, I've watched that film more times than probably anybody else has. Sounds about right. Yeah, uh, A Walk of Shame was good as well, actually. I never watched that. The Elizabeth Banks one. Yeah, it's a yeah, solid. It's a bad. solid amount of fun, is that? Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, and uh, the last one I've got is the latest trailer for Independence Day Resurgence, which um, I'm a little worried it's not going to have the charm of the first one. It looks very, very big and explody and full of younger actors who can't really act. Um, the first one, like, it was quite ensemble but, you know, Goldblum was not super young. Pullman was not super young. Yeah. You know, and um, fucking Mary McDonnell or whatever her name is from Battlestar Galactica, you know, she she wasn't super young. You did have younger people in there, you know, Will Smith and whatnot. But here, 
it's what, like Liam Hemsworth and Micah Monroe, which is fine. I, I like Micah Monroe. I, I like Micah Monroe, but let's be honest, Liam Hemsworth's should, name should be just changed to not Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, I yeah, exactly. Um, I, I Or the other one from The Hunger Games. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You know, it, it, that doesn't inspire an awful lot of confidence. We'll see. Um, I like the idea of a ship being as big as the, the Atlantic. So it's like, they're over the Atlantic, and it's like, which part? All of it. Okay, cool. That'll do. Um, but Just to see a little bit like that, from all I've seen of it, it's a bit like, look, no matter what happens, when they get out of this, I'm going to be left going, oh, come on, really? <laughs> yeah, I, but the thing is, the end of the first one as well was very like, this is an ending. It, like they're all because they were originally talking about maybe shooting two of these back to back, and it kind of feels like right. Okay, so we're going to get a fucking cliffhanger. This is going to be two and a half hours long, and then by the end, not a lot's going to be resolved, and I'm just going to be, uh, right. Okay, I'll wait a couple of years for another one. I suppose. I, yeah, I. Yeah, it does seem it does seem a little bit like it's franchise rebuilding. Yeah, I mean, like oh. Fox have got X-Men, the X-Men universe, but they don't really have that many, like, franchises that they can really rely on at the moment. I mean, obviously, Disney have got them coming out of their ears, and Warners are trying with the DC universe. Paramount, apparently, are talking about doing a fucking shared universe of G.I. Joe and Mask, which I'm actually slightly interested in, I won't lie. Um, Mask is in... The cartoon from the 80s. Oh. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's the way these films are going, but the way that Marvel Studios are doing them, they still seem to make good films, at least for me. Um, so, you know, who knows? It, it might be really, really good. It might be an awful lot of fun. I am just worried, though, because Independence Day was a bit of a... That and Jurassic Park were like my two big Hollywood blockbusters in my formative years. Mm. I've seen Independence Day more than I I, I re- would care to remember. I've watched that film a lot, and um, but but then I'm not chomping at the bit for this. And I don't know that kind of, that kind of feels like a failing, even though I did very much like like there's a shot of like Big Ben being destroyed or the ta- or like the, the, the Tower Bridge or something, and then Jeff Goldblum's like like. They like the landmarks. They always get the landmarks. Like if there's, if there's, Humor. yeah, if 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 there's that kind of cheekiness in it, not like look how meta we're being, just cheeky. I think I'll be all right with that, but I am worried it's going to be like most of it, apart from Goldblum, is going to be very self-serious, and it's going to be Liam Hemsworth looking dour as fuck for a couple of hours. Yeah, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but that's it then. So uh, let's move on. So yeah, there was a lot of trailers. And um, so, Jane Got a Gun, directed by Gavin O'Connor, starring Natalie Portman, um, Ewan McGregor, Joel Edgerton, um, and others. Um, there are like, oh, Noah Emmerich, um, yeah. which is always good to see him. Um, so yeah, story is, um, at, uh, Jane, uh, played by Natalie Portman, uh, is basically... God, the story kind of flips around in time, so I can't even remember how it fucking begins. She's looking for... Basically... Oh, God, what was it? Her husband, played by Noah Emmerich, like, like 
it is like brutally injured in an attack. She goes to an ex-lover of hers, played by Joel Edgerton, for help. He's like, fuck off. But then five minutes later, actually, no, I will help you. Um, and um, Noah Emmerich was attacked by uh, Ewan McGregor's gang. Ewan McGregor plays a character called Bishop, who is looking for Emmerich and uh, Emmerich's character and Jane for reasons, uh, which like flashbacks through the film uh, kind of uh, fill you in on. And um, Jane and Edgerton are very frosty with each other. That's yep. kind of about it. So Steer frosty. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, this was originally to be directed by Lynn Ramsey. She then walked off the set after the first day. Um, I don't think it was ever really, like, revealed why. She's done that a couple of times, though, hasn't she? With a couple of things, she's kind of she's she's gone. I don't need this shit and walked off. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming creative differences would be the thing. Uh, well, 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 Lynn Ramsey, um, prickly director, uh, Natalie Portman, prickly movie star slash producer in this case. Yeah, I, I, I get the feeling that Lynn Ramsey has kind of probably gone. Well, what I do is, is this, and Portman's gone. Yeah, I don't think so. And yeah. Gone, well, I am the director, and she's gone. Yeah, well, I'm the producer, and it's been. Fuck you then. <laughs> yeah, no. Would it surprise you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, and, and because of this, the, the cast had a bit of a revolving door. I think it was was it Fassbender and Fassbender what after Ramsey left? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then he was replaced by Edgerton. Yes. And then McGregor came into it because I think Jude Law left Jude at Law. some point. And then Jude McGregor... Law was in when uh, Rodrigo Santoro was going to direct. Right. Okay. But Ewan McGregor got, like, parachuted in as well, didn't he? Because somebody yeah. left. And the weird thing was, he originally auditioned, not auditioned, but originally was in talks to play uh, Edgerton's character. Yeah. And then didn't get it, got, got given a fast bender, and then they asked him to come back and play what's it. Fucking hell. Well, Bradley um, Cooper was also apparently going to play that as well, but then he went off to do a, uh, American Hustle instead. Who was? Bradley Cooper was going to oh, play um, Yeah, so it, it, it's had a lot of... A two-in and a throw-in. And when Edgerton came on board, uh, he rewrote it as well. That's right, yeah, he's got a screenwriting credit, hasn't he? And that, Now, that is interesting. Here's a question to start us off. Do you think Lynn Ramsey would have been happy with um, what actually happens in this film? Because I, it kind of feels like, and maybe I'm putting words in mouths, but it kind of feels like with the title and with Portman starring and producing and Ramsey directing that there was going to be a fair bit of, like, feminist bent to this Western. And by the end, even though the very, very end, all spoilers all the time, yeah. has Jane basically being the, almost like the alpha in this relationship, that doesn't really, that last minute or so doesn't feel like it really connected to the rest of the film, because she was relying on men Apparently, a lot. Edgerton uh, didn't change any story bits. Really? Uh, he didn't like... Um, he, he added a few ideas into um, the actual how things happened. Um, and he, he didn't like a lot of the actual the script. Hmm. A lot of his writing was taking out as much as it was putting stuff in. Because the thing is... It does, it does, it, it jumps... The end of it, you go, wait, wait, wait a minute. 
<laughs> yeah, like, why is she now suddenly a bounty hunter? Yeah. I, I, I get she killed Ewan McGregor, and that's that's absolutely fine and 100% justified in doing so, and she's, she's a strong, like, character as a result. To go from she, that but, to... But she was a strong character. She seemed like a strong character in the first ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. She I... just... She... she... I, I, um, we'll, we'll, we'll come to it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the thing is, it's it's a troublesome one because the plot, the plot beats of it, it is essentially she has Joel Edgerton, she loses Joel Edgerton, she kind of shacks up with um, Noah Emmerich, like for protection essentially, but then does actually kind of like fall for him, um, and then. Emmerich gets injured. Edgerton comes back into the into the equation. Edgerton, uh, um, Emmerich very handily dies, so there's nothing wrong with her shacking up with Edgerton. And it, I, I don't know. It, I find it. It felt like the last bit was just tr- almost trying to save face because the rest of the film didn't quite convey that arc well enough. No, it didn't. It, 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 I think didn't. it might be more the actual, like, the film, the filmmaking, maybe, and, like, the the direction that o- o- O'Connor gave Portman, or I, I don't know, but it doesn't feel like this was what it was going to be. And, okay, you've got to judge the film on its own merits, but I think Lynn Ramsey's version would have been more interesting than this, because this isn't very interesting. I think this is. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go on record now and say I didn't yeah. hate it. I uh, didn't hate it, but there is no bit of me that loved any of it. No. Um, what I will say is I think Edgerton aside, and actually I thought Rumenegger was actually very quite good in the in the amount he was in. I would have liked to have had a lot more of him to be honest. Yeah. Um, I thought he was very good in it. Um, I thought Edgerton was very good. I thought Portman and Emmerich were just really badly miscast. Um, Portman seemed to forget halfway through sort of words that she was supposed to be doing an accent. Um, so then she put it on really, really strong. Um, and the the scene where she where uh, where she finds out her daughter's been killed and her reaction to that was I, I was having to look away because it was it was embarrassingly bad. It was it was terrible acting. Just really, really bad acting. It almost looks as if like Gavin O'Connor like they filmed it five or six times and O'Connor just went, "Yeah, forget that one, dude, because I can't watch this anymore. I can't watch you doing that anymore. This is this is bad." It, it seems like everybody involved with this film is not really happy that it happened. No, this yeah, I mean this is it. I mean in the end of the day, I suppose they kind of had to do it because otherwise they finished three years ago. <laughs> really? They finished they finished filming nearly three years ago. Fuck, that doesn't feel like that long ago, Jesus. Joel Edgerton has written, directed, starred in, and released the gift since what, he since the bloody since hell. he finished Jane Got a Gun. God, that's crazy. It is maddening. That's but, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is ridiculous. I forgot. Edgerton directed the gift. God, the gift was really fucking good. It was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna be rewatching that at some point. I, I God, that film was good. Uh, but anyway, Jane got a gun. It's not it's not great. Um, so um, yeah, it's the thing is, there's some really there's some really nice, really nice shots in it. There's a nice shot um about 
just about halfway through um, where you get the, the John Bishop gang are riding in and you get that classic Western oh, shot yeah, yeah, silhouette. Yeah. And it's like, ooh, that's that's nice looking. That looks nice. Who's the cinematographer? Was it Mandy Walker? It was Mandy Walker, yeah. Yeah, great job. Um, and that looked really nice. And then the um, the bit where Edgerton's waiting um, and then he shoots out the, the bottles and essentially all that. All the canisters that they kind of blow later. up all one after yeah. another. Yeah, man. That's, that's, and those the people are just on fire. Yeah, however, that shot's awesome. That shot's lovely and, and very nice, right? This is a twenty-five million dollar movie, right? That was that stars Natalie Portman, Joel uh, Edgerton, and is directed by you know a, a, a very good director. Why do we not get an outside wide shot of that? Why is it just why the only shot we get of that is out of a little section of screen through a window when you could quite easily have had from the back a shot of a wide shot of that would have looked fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it was it was dark, wasn't it? So they would yeah. have been able to hide the cameras easily enough if they were worried about budget and like only yeah. doing it in the one shot. That's a, yeah, that's a fair it, point. There was, there was certain bits where you're going, this looks nice. It does look nice. But the absolute minimum, the absolute minimum you should get from a Western is it should look fantastic because it is virtually, it's like New Zealand or Australia. It is virtually impossible to not make that part of the world look beautiful. Mm. And at points you look at it going, why don't you look better? Why is Boyd Holbrook there? He doesn't do anything apart from a really bad Ben Foster from 310 Humor Impression. He was the... um... The, the kind of the, the, the slightly rapey looking dude, I take it. Yeah, yeah. The, the one who said um, the daughter drowned. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the he, he was kind of the loose cannon that was never actually that loose. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. I mean, yeah, and that just reminded me as well. The uh, I mean, again with the story, really, the daughter's alive, really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is so, a little bit. So what? Just so like our two protagonists can have that happy ending and literally like go off into the sunset. I just uh... yeah. What 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 would have made that better is if is literally if if when Jane was like handing over that what is it uh, all of the bounties to, to the guy and if she gave them to him and the guy just sort of looked at her and was like a really fucking handsome looking guy and it just sort of went and there you go Jane and she just sort of goes well hello there. And just flips on to another fucking guy. And then you've got a whole fucking series. Jane got another gun. And it just goes like that. I mean, I would say I'd watch a sequel that's Edgerton and Portman being bounty hunters. I would act, I would watch that. It would be I'd, more I'd, interesting than this film. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd watch it. But I can't say that, I, that I'd look forward to it happening. <laughs> no, sure, sure. But, yeah. Um, hot Air Balloon. Yeah. Uh, really? <laughs> okay. Um, I yeah. I don't, it just it. Damon and Connor doesn't really bring an awful lot to it. No, he, he again. He seems a little bit like he got halfway through it and went, Ah, oh, uh, what am I doing here? Decided to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally, man. I like it. Just it's um. There should have been, like I said, there should have been more McGregor because he he was genuinely good as as, as essentially just a bit of a shit heel. Yeah, that's the thing, lad. He's just he's a bit of a dick, 
and he's not like particular, like not like super super sadistic or anything. He's not he's, evil. He, no, he, he's just he's just a bit of a dick. Yeah, I mean he's quite business like in like the whole kind of like I might be an outlaw, but I, I don't murder kids. It's like yeah. do you know what? Fair enough. I don't believe. I yeah, I don't believe you're that cartoon character bad guy to actually do that. You are going to get what's coming to you, but yeah, you know, you know uh, that that's that's fine. Yeah, I I I it just. I don't know, the flashbacky kind of structure. It's just like, oh, okay, we're going back to seven years earlier, or are we? All right, then. I think we're going back to five years. It, just, it, it feels like a film that, that was conceived as being two and a half hours long, but there wasn't two and a half hours worth of film in it. Because let's face it, if Gavin O'Connor wants to make a two and a half hour movie, he can make a two and a half hour movie. He made Warrior, Warrior which is two and a half yeah. hours. Fantastic, don't get me wrong, it's a fantastic film. And I actually really quite enjoyed Pride and Glory. But yeah. then again, look at what type of film Pride and Glory is. Of course I enjoyed That's it. That's Mark Wheelhouse, yeah. Yes. Sure. No, I, I quite like Pride and Glory as well, actually, in fairness. But yeah, I, it just, I don't know, it kind of feels like there was something that was attracting him to the material. It's probably Joel Edgerton like, and him yeah. just going like, oh, we'll have a laugh for a few weeks, you know. And, um, yeah, the whole thing, it's just, I, it's like a, a, a mild three out of five. I, like, I, would, no, two and a half out of five. I can't, I can't recommend it. But... I can't recommend it, but I, I, I enjoyed Edgerton. But then again, saying Joel Edgerton was really good in it. It, that's just a given. Joel Edgerton's very, very good in everything. Yeah, Joel Edgerton's in. good in, in like the Thing prequel. It doesn't mean I recommend the Thing prequel. Exactly, yeah. he is. He is just a very, a very good actor, um, and he's a great kind of screen presence. He he lifts pretty much everything he's in, uh, and often, you know, he, he quietly gets on with it. Really, I would say with with, with almost everything he's he's in. For sure, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm. I don't have much more, much more to say, to be honest. I mean, I'm yeah. t- a touching cloth. You know, it's it's disappointing. It's not it's not horrible, but it's I, I it's considering all the drama that went around it. It's like w- w- what was all the fuss really for this? Yeah, it, it, it is. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. It is a little bit like oh, and. It's a, it's a shit title. Jane got a gun. It might have made sense in the original script, but it didn't make sense in this one. <laughs> no, no. I mean, she gets a gun right towards the end. She, she has many guns in it. It should be called Jane. Jane gets a few guns at a few points during this movie. It's not a snappy title, but it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so that was Jane got a gun. Um, so touching cloth for the both of us, was it? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, right, so um, let's move into some what else we watched. Mark has got two, so uh, <laughs> yeah. he may as well just uh, crack on with it. Go ahead, mate. Yeah, I'll crack on. Um, first one I watched was um, Cadillac Man. Nice. The Robin Williams movie. I'd never seen this, um, actually. Um, and was, was flicking through, looking for something to watch at about sort of 10 o'clock at night, uh, and sort of hit up on this and thought, huh. I've I've not seen that. I don't I don't know why I've not seen that because you know it's a Robin Williams movie. I like Robin Williams. Um, so gave it a go. Have you seen uh, Cadillac Man? Years ago, don't remember anything about it. Yeah, well, Cadillac Man. The, the basic story is um, it, Robin Williams plays um, a guy called Joe O'Brien, and he's got he's got a bit of a problem where he's got a bit of a weakness for women. We'll, we'll say um, and. So it, it seems like he's he's always having trouble with with uh, women because he's got 
an ex-wife who left him because of his womanizing problems. Uh, his daughter gone missing. Uh, he's mar- He's got a a, a a mistress who wants to leave her husband for him, but he doesn't want that to happen. And Laurie Petty plays his other mistress, who he really likes, but uh, <laughs> she's a little bit crazy. Of course, she's she's played by Laurie Petty. Uh, then to pile on top of that, he also has uh, the mob some money. And uh, I've just been told that he's got uh, a single day to sell 13 cars or he's going to lose his job. Uh, And on that day where he's supposed to sell 13 cars, uh, you get Tim Robbins bursts into um, the dealership um, on a motorbike uh, and takes everyone hostage because somebody's been having an affair with his wife which Robin Williams owns up to, and that's about the only woman in the film that he isn't sleeping with. <laughs> um, yet he decides that he's going to say that it's him who's, who's sleeping with her, and then he deals with the kind of the hostage situation as being Tim Robin's spokesperson. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's Robin Williams doing that quick kind of patter and that throwaway kind of jokes and a few kind of voices and things like that. It's 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 very kind of Robin Williamsy. Really, is, is the best way you can describe it. Um, it's got quite a bit of heart in it as well. It's um, Tim Robbins plays, you know, the, the character Larry. He just he's not happy about um, his wife been cheating on him, uh, and he's kind of like broken man. And then he ends up befriending Robin Williams uh, with it, who at the time thinks has been the guy who's having an affair, and it all, all kind of bursts out from there. It's, it's on Netflix UK, and I it, it's a solid midweek watch, is what I'd say. It's it's not something you're gonna to want to watch on a Friday or a Saturday night, but it's it's a good Tuesday or a Thursday night movie, I'd say. Yeah, nice. No, I I, I I would go for that. There's probably a lot more that are in my queue before it, but I would happily watch it again. You know. Yeah, and I was I was uh, actually weirdly enough um, because I've, I've not actually got a great little talk to it. I actually noticed something uh, the other day where we, we, me and Becky were talking uh, afterwards about um, sort of Robin Williams. Um, and his films, and I noticed that I saw pretty much every Robin Williams movie from 1991 to 2001 in the cinema. Wow, really? Yes, I did. Everyone, there was a couple that I didn't see, but they weren't actually released in cinemas in the UK. Hmm. But yeah, I will. I'll, I'll go through. I saw uh, Hook. Mm-hmm. Ferngully, The Last Rainforest. Yeah. Uh, the Timekeeper never came out in UK cinemas, to my knowledge. Um, Aladdin, Toys, Mrs. Doubtfire, Being Human, Nine Months. Uh, I did actually see Two Wong Fu, and he's, mm. he's, in, he's in that. Jumanji, um, the director's video, Aladdin, King of Thieves, uh, of course, director's video, never came out of the cinema. Jack, uh, Hamlet, I saw at the cinema. The Birdcage, Father's Day, Deconstructing Harry, Flubber, Goodwill Hunting, What Dreams May Come, Patch Adams, uh, Bicentennial Man, MAI. Bloody hell. Yeah. And the thing is, it wasn't like I was purposefully going to see every single Robin Williams movie as they came out. It wasn't like I went, oh, it's a Robin Williams movie. I better go and see that. It's just, I, I, I mentioned to Becky that I'd seen um, Hook at the cinema. Uh, and then she said, oh, and then she said about Toys. I was like, I saw that as well. And I saw Mrs. Doubtfire, and I just started working through it going, <laughs> wait a minute, yeah, and went through it, and yeah, I saw every movie for 10 years at the cinema. Nice. Without even meaning to do it. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, I suppose my the other one I watched uh, will lead quite nicely into one that you watched. Uh, I rewatched uh, Purple Rain, uh, which yeah, yeah, you had to rewatch. Really, I had to rewatch it this week sure. um, because you know you don't really often need the excuse to watch rewatch Purple Rain, but if there was an excuse, it was this time. Um, and Purple Rain's it's I know we spoke about it on the podcast before, but fuck it, we'll speak again because we might have, we might have new listeners actually. Um, but it it's it's not just like a great kind of, you know, musical um, as such. It's actually a really solid film uh, within that. You know, how much of it is, is autobiographical, but autobiographical, I'm, I'm still not entirely sure. Quite a bit of it apparently um, is. Um, Prince might not be the greatest actor in the world, but when he's playing Prince, essentially, there's a certain, uh, the bits where he's having to, uh, you know, where he's, got the stage presence and he's, he's singing and, and the songs actually have a um, are actually written to have a meaning within the film that's when the acting comes across and he gets that across really well and the strange thing is um prince get off as you know has been i've seen sort of you know critics is uh, criticism for his acting in this movie um pre in, in, in his passing um because now you get a lot of people sort of standing up going, oh, Purple Rain's amazing. That kind of like three, four years ago, when I remember when we were going about how amazing it was and how much we all enjoyed it, um, were kind of scoffing at it a little bit. Um, and it's a bit like, hmm, you know, there's a there's a, a lot of kind of retro thinking with this. Um, but, you know, when you look at something like, for instance, Anne Hathaway won an Academy Award for singing in a movie. You know, and Prince gets over so much emotion, so much in just his performances as as the kid. Um, and when you eventually get to to Purple Rain, and he's in, you know, you get that performance of Purple Rain. The, the best way I can describe it is, is literally if you were, if there was like planes crashing down around you and there was an earthquake going on, you still wouldn't be able to take your eyes off off that. Becky said it's, it's weird. It's kind of like once that. Um, once Purple Rain starts, it starts going. You don't notice it, but it's like the entire world around you goes dark. Yeah, 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 I can see. That. And there's just that happening, and you're just absolutely just transfixed in how magnificent this this thing is. And it, I was used to think that it was quite strange the fact that it didn't end there. It didn't end at that. There's, there's then a couple more songs after, yeah. and it's. I think part of that is it's actually a really kind of genius idea because if it just kind of ended there, I, I think it, it would have had a different feeling. It would have had a different sort of emotion to the movie. But the fact that it doesn't just end there, it ends, that's, it's almost like the beginning, that 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 performance. If it would have ended at that, it would have been the end. But it isn't. It, the fact that there's two of the songs after it makes it, it's not the, it's the end of one thing, but the beginning of another. I mean, which... the, the, the other songs wouldn't make sense um yeah. like it, earlier in the film either no you know, considering the narrative of it so i don't know i mean like I, I mean could could they have like no i don't think they could put i would die for you in like in like the start because obviously his relationship with apollonia is not there yeah and it's and it, the, the thing is the film kind of starts with um that's so crazy, and then and then you know that's quite upbeat. And the rest of the the the, the, the kids songs that are performed are quite are not as upbeat as that. They're not party songs. They're a little bit more 
gnarly to them. There's a bit more sort of grit and, yeah. uh, and earth to them. Um, and then the last two songs that we get after Purple Rain, which is the big emotional explosion of the movie, uh, are back to the, the, the upbeatness and the, yeah. the, the party songs and they're, they're, they're that again. And it, it, it bookends the film really, really nicely. I know I, um, a few years ago, um, when I uh, had, when I was sort of working in conjunction with a cinema chain, uh, I won't mention, but people will know which one it is, uh, if they have spent any time listening to the podcast, uh, and I was sort of helping sort of pick certain sort of films from it. I remember at the time suggesting doing a, a month where they did um, musicals, alternative musicals. So rather than doing Sound of Fucking Music and West Side Story, that they put on things like Streets of Fire and Purple Rain, um, and then, um, what was it, Palmer one? Shit, what's it called? Um. Ah! Phantom of Paradise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, okay. Yeah. Uh, and Phantom of Paradise and, and you know, do a, a, like those and have that, that alternative kind of music thing. And was shot down in flames of, yeah, but they're all terrible movies. And I was like, no, they're, they're fucking, they're not. You're just dickheads. Um, and that was my literal, that was my exact response, was I, was I said, no, they're not, they're fantastic movies, you're just uppity dickheads, that's, 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 you know, I love you all, but you are, um, and that's it, Purple Rain is, is, it's like, it's part rock kind of musical drama, part exploitation film, which is really weird. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I, I, I don't know, I mean, I mean, it's Purple Rain. I don't really... I just remember the first time I watched it, I um, I was watching it about 20 minutes behind Noel, and we were just texting each other, just like, loving it, frankly. Yeah. And uh, it, it just, I, I will I will always remember that. And um, it just, it's so much fun, and it is... The attitude towards women is interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it, it's of its time, and that kind well, of that's exotic exploit- graffiti bridge as well, to be fair. but That's the exploitation, Mr. I think. No, sure, yeah. But you've also got Morris Day and uh, Jerome, <laughs> Jerome Johnson, I think his name is, um, yeah. who are great comedy foils as well, and the, the, the password is what? <laughs> I mean, that that's you know, that's all you need. Um well, no, it's not really because you've got Prince there as well. It, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's insanely entertaining. It is actually genuinely moving at the end. Um, and it just, it's, I don't know. I mean, like, it would be like Kanye West trying to do an autobiographical music based on him. But there's so much hubris and ego with West that it, it, it would be retarded. Whereas here... It's coming from it's coming from a genuine place. It is. Uh, the thing is, Prince wanted to make essentially a a similar autobiographical movie, but he wanted to make he wanted to make a movie. It was the idea that was the next step in kind of you know in forwarding his his, his career. And it was right. I want I want to make a movie, and I, you know, I want to write these songs for it. And you know, when you when you look when you watch the the documentary that we make behind it. Um, you know, Albert uh, uh, Magnoli says that you know Prince gave him like a hundred songs, and of you know the, that was written for the movie Purple Rain, mm-hmm. and um, 
when Doves Cry and Purple Rain weren't part of that hundred. <laughs> you know, they were written. Apparently, I don't know whether this is true or not. Mike will know better. But it says in the uh, Purple Rain uh, making of, uh, uh, Magnoli says that he he said that he needed a song for the montage. Um, and the producer said, look, we need a first. And one of them said, we need a first single for it. We need that. We, we need a song. Purple Rain's a great song, but it isn't a first single to release to promote the movie. And they said, we need something. So Prince, they told Prince, and I think it was a day or two days later, he he, he sent uh, Albert Magnoli, um, when Dust Cry, and said, there you go, how about that? Will that do? And he was like, yeah, that, that, that's perfect. <laughs> And it was like, whether or not he already had that song and he just, you know, recorded it and polished it up or when, I think I've got an idea, I think I've got the song for it, it's this. But it just, the, the lyrically, it seems too written for that. And, you know, that that's the genius of, of, of Prince. I once saw another documentary not related to Purple Rain, um, where Prince said, he, you know, that he, he, he writes at least kind of a song a day. Uh, um, and it's, that's just because he, that's his, process that's what he likes doing you know it, it, that's his that's what he does and it, it's incredible the fact that you've got somebody who's got that much talent it is essentially you know giving you it in in this the film form it's it's incredible at purple rain. it really is such a and i i remember first watching purple rain um in sort of like the the sort of early mid 90s uh on vhs um and it was after match the day probably i was on a saturday night um, downstairs at uh, my uh, parents' house, and it will have been an we watched it and was going, I don't remember what happened there, but I know it was fucking awesome. That's great. And and it was, and you know, it, it was it was strange, sort of, you know, because I already, I already remember sort of being at school, in, and I, bear in mind, I went to school, you know, in like the, the, the sort of mid 90s when it wasn't as, wasn't really that cool to like Prince, it was cool to like. Blur and Oasis and people like that, and I really liked Prince. Um, so, like, when we put on like films, I'd always like reference Purple Rain, and we're like, oh, I'm not watching that, it's got Prince in its shit. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> no, too right. Yeah, yes. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it's, it's fucking great. Yes. I, I wish I watched it on Thursday instead of what I did watch. Yes, so you watched Graffiti Bridge, <laughs> didn't did. you? Yeah, so I watched Graffiti Bridge. I, I've watched this a long, long time ago. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen this or Under the Cherry Moon. And um, they, they were both £2.49 to rent on Apple TV. So I was like, I'll, I'll chuck £2.49 at it. Why not? Uh, so this is um, a, a, a somewhat sequel to Purple Rain. Um, they do refer to him as the kid in this. And uh, it's written and directed by Prince uh, this time. Um, and it basically sees Prince and Morris Day going at loggerheads. Um, they they both uh, uh, run clubs, even though it seems that Morris Day has a share in Prince's club or something, even though they have two separate clubs. So it's a bit confusing. And, um, yeah, uh, there's a woman that kind of comes between Prince and Morris Day, and Morris Day hates Prince, uh, but by the end of it, thanks to the power of song, they hug it out and they're friends again. Um, so, I like this because Morris Day and the Prince, uh, and the Prince, Morris Day and Prince 
hug it out by the end and they're friends. And I was in a, a rather emotional state on Thursday. So I liked the fact that they were friends. <laughs> you just wanted everybody to get along, didn't you? I, I really, really did. I really, really did. Um, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, here, whereas in Purple Rain, the musical sequences don't really feel like music videos... Um, even though, I mean, like, the video for Purple Rain is, is the sequence from Purple Rain. Yeah. I, I always thought that was odd, like, back in the day when Purple Rain would come on MT, MTV2, and, like, when I was, like, 15, 16, it'd just be like, what? So the video is just Prince performing and people looking teary-eyed in the crowd. <laughs> and I didn't quite, like, I didn't know the connection at the time. Ah, uh, yeah, I could see why that could be a little bit. So, like, the, the bit that is now um, Noel's uh, Facebook uh, profile picture. Yeah, the nodding. Like, the, the nodding dude with the white glasses. It's like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, like, he's really, really getting involved in this performance. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, man. Um, uh, so the, the thing with Graffiti Bridge is the fact that it, it they, they do kind of all look like music videos and it, it takes you out of it a treat. Um, also, it's very, 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 very stage bound. And yes, I'm, it is. Yeah, I'm sure that's the point. Um, but I don't know. There's there's an artificiality here that isn't in Purple Rain because like Purple Rain, they kind of shot it in and around Minneapolis, didn't they? Yes. Whereas it feels here like they shot shot it in a soundstage in LA, and I don't know whether that is the case or not, but. It's, it's, but yeah, so th th there's that as well. Um, and by by the end of it, it's basically it's a rerun of Purple Rain, but Morris Day's a bit rapey. Um, but then Prince kind of goes along with that as well because like the girl in it. Something happens to her. I, I I I fell off the wagon a bit on Thursday, so I'm finding it a bit hard to recollect. But something happened to her where basically the first man that she woke up and saw, she'd fall in love with. Yeah. So, like, Prince abducts her from Morris Day's place, where it looked like Morris Day was basically about to rape her, and then takes her home, and then she wakes up in his bed and looks at him, and they go, bingo, bango. Um... But then there's also like a random section halfway through where some kid sings a song for no reason whatsoever. Um, it, it's very, very, very bitty. There's no real through line here. And it basically is people start thinking Prince's Club is shit. Then he busts out a performance and then people love him again. It's Purple Rain, but shit. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's Lila Crane. Yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, 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 exactly. So there you go, Graffiti Bridge. I'll probably never watch it again. Whereas Purple Rain, I, I would quite like to watch very soon. Um, <laughs> Under the Cherry Moon, I'm kind of interested in because it does look like it, it's like a period piece, isn't it? And it, 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 isn't it like a gangster film or something? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, I, I, I will be watching Under the Cherry Moon at some point this week. Yeah, I might as well actually. So we'll we'll Probably see how that goes. Week, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes. 
Um, so, right, what else have I watched? Because um, you just had the two, didn't you? I just had the two, unfortunately, yeah. Okay, no worries. So, um, I watched um, Hitchcock Truffaut. Um, oh, yeah. So, this is a documentary directed by Kent Jones. Um, seemingly about the the Hitchcock Truffaut recording sessions. And um, basically, for those who don't know, Francois Truffaut um, asked Alfred Hitchcock if they could conduct a week-long interview because uh, Truffaut basically wanted to write a book about Hitchcock and Hitchcock, um, uh, having liked Truffaut's work, agreed to it. Um, The thing is, there's, there's some stuff from the meeting, which is fine. Um, but it's mainly, I'd say 75% of it in terms of content is really just like famous filmmakers talking about Hitchcock, uh, Hitchcock mm. which is really, really interesting. But it does, it feels like the hanging it on the Hitchcock Truffaut thing was a little, a little bit of a, a, a misnomer to try and Get Hitchcock, yeah. To, 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 to do a documentary about Hitchcock, basically. And there's really, really interesting um, stuff. I mean, like, um, David Fincher is in it a lot, and he's really, really magnetic. Uh, but you've got... Um, it's Olivia... always nice watching Fincher talk about stuff, yeah. isn't it? Straight up. I mean, it's, gr- it's great watching great filmmakers talk about other great filmmakers. I, it just, it, I, I suppose, I, I mean, the, the subject of Hitchcock Truffaut is Hitchcock, but it maybe would have been nice to have a, a bit more Truffaut, frankly. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, you got uh, you got Fincher, Olivier Assayas, Wes Anderson, um, James Gray, um, and and you know a, a bunch of others. It's it's a really really good selection of people talking about Hitchcock, and it's really really interesting. But it. I wasn't quite what I was setting myself up for. Yeah. Because I thought it was going to be more about the action, like the recording sessions and how, you know, how they went and how Hitchcock was like with Truffaut. But it was basically like, yeah, they got on really well and they had a lifelong friendship. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, then. Um, so it, it's basically, it's structured like they'll do some snippets from the interview and then it will be five to ten minutes on that subject. Um, and then another snippet from the interview, then five to ten minutes on that subject. That's kind of basically it. And there's there's interesting stuff. In, I mean, there's, it's all really really interesting. Don't get me wrong. It's really really good. Yeah. Um. It just it would have been nice if it kind of was more what it said on the tin because that's what I was going in for. So it was it was good, but it wasn't what you were expecting. Yeah, no, I mean no, I mean like it was it was really really good, like really like really 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 good. It's just I, I it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and maybe next time round I'll be kind of more on its on its wavelength. But I was kind of waiting for it to focus on Truffaut for a bit, and it never came. But you know, there's there's great stuff. There's quite a large chunk of it is devoted to Vertigo, which is unsurprising, and uh, a large chunk devoted devo- uh, devoted to uh, Psycho. You know, it it funnily enough, it doesn't go into Hitchcock uh, later period. It, it basically ends where the the recording sessions ended, which I think kind of makes sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't know. It just wasn't what I want, wanted it to be, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with what it was, if that makes any sense. Yes. 
So yeah, Hitchcock True Five. It is it's a heavy recommend though. Anybody listening to this should should go go and seek it out. Um, comes out on DVD uh, tomorrow in uh, as we record in the UK, and it was um, is on iTunes. That's how I watched it. Um, so yeah, uh, finishing off, I did myself an Amazon Instant Video Al Pacino double. Well, I, I've actually taken up uh, Amazon Instant Video. Uh, how, how are you finding the selection? Uh, not too bad. I, I'm finding the. Uh... So far, I've only actually looked at it because I was helping uh, Isabel choose a movie to watch last night uh, on her smart player, and the the interface was a bit of a prat. To yeah, the the menu system's horrible. Yeah, it's it's terrible, uh, and um, yeah, it it was it was strange because she watched uh, the Ryan Reynolds movie Just Friends, um, but the, it's not in HD on there; it's only in standard definition, which is a bit weird. Bet that looked like hammered shit. It did, yeah. <laughs> it did. It did. I kind of actually said, said, "Are you alright watching that? Cause it looks like crap." But she's like, "What? Well, it's fine." Uh, <laughs> all right, fine, fair enough. Fucking no. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, so no. I mean, I, 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 I think I kind of watch more on Amazon Instant Video than I do on Netflix now in terms of films. Um, it's kind of crazy, but yeah. Um, so I did myself a double bill. So I kind of mentioned it briefly last week, but I, I finished off City Hall, which is literally only notable in my mind for a fantastic sequence where at a, a six-year-old kid's funeral, Al Pacino makes a speech and turns it completely, basically, into about him. And everybody's really on side by the end of it and cheering him. It all starts off quite frosty because it's like people don't want the mayor at this funeral. And he turns up and he's like this poor little angel. I'm going to do this, and I feel this, and I'm going to do this for this poor little angel. But this city needs to be a... a oh, God, what's the word he uses? Like a, a palace again or something. This city needs to be a palace. We all need to walk hand in hand and not be in fear. And it's, it's just like, okay, Al, cool. <laughs> Chill it, it out. It is Pacino doing, doing, doing Pacino, isn't it? Yeah, man. I mean, but uh, it's just like, what are you doing hijacking this kid's funeral? Like, <laughs> it, it, it was crazy. But uh, apart from that, like, Pacino's actually not in it as much as I thought he would be. It's mainly John Cusack with a bit of um, Bridget Fonda as well. Yeah. Um, and it's basically, is Al Pacino a bit shady? Yeah. Yeah. The end. Does it have a, a very uh, Jerry Goldsmith, Jerry Goldsmith score as well? Um, I don't particularly remember that, to be honest. Uh, uh, I, 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 I might be misremembering, but I remember, I remember a particularly Goldsmithy Goldsmith score. Okay, that's, that's interesting. I, no, I mean, it's, it's... I don't know, it was what it was. It's like John Cusack is the deputy mayor who somehow doesn't see that the mayor is shifty. Through the course of the film, he discovers the mayor is shifty. And by the end, the the mayor is no longer in the picture, and that that that's all there really is to it. It's yeah, I, I don't know. It kind of felt like it was straining to be more <laughs> than it actually was. But yeah. you know, Cusack's fine, Fonda's fine. She kind of disappears like a good half hour before the end, and then pops up in the last scene. It's like, oh, okay, you're back, cool, nice to see you, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, it's just it's it's fine. I don't know. Three out of five. Didn't hate it. Cool. Al Pacino shouting. Um, what I didn't hate, what I loved, is uh, Manglehorn. Oh, the... Uh, David Gordon Green one, yeah. Um, yeah. I've hovered over this before and not actually ever watched it. Yeah, man. This motherfucker. Um, so, basically, Al Pacino plays my dad. 
Um, a sad, sad, lonely man who um, tries to find connection in other people but can't because he's sad and lonely and isolates people through his sadness and loneliness, which was my dad. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to get too deep there or, or too brutal, but that, that was my dad. Um, and he even kind of looks like my dad in this. So yeah. it weirded me out, this film, in many moments. There is a dinner scene that he has with um, uh, Holly Hunter, which just feels like something my dad would have would do with a, a wife or a girlfriend or something. And it's just, it's, I don't know, it really, really got me. But Pacino's great in it. Not, not, not just because of like, like my, my feelings getting in the way there. It's, he's re like the conf, the inner conflict in, in him is so well played. And like, just the, the, the quiet, reservedness but like pure melancholy like ebbing through him is really really powerful i thought um some solid cat action as well um <laughs> and it's david gordon green doing this david gordon green thing as well where there's kind of like a like a magical realism kind of thing there's yeah. a scene um where holly hunter plays this like bank teller who has a kind of a relationship with al pacino's character and they're chatting to each other and then this guy just walks in and starts singing to one of the other clerks and it kind of it almost feels like is this actually happening as someone just burst into set and started singing at one of the extras or something it, it it's it doesn't really mean anything um, but then there's another scene as well where um, a, a vet is doing an operation on Pacino's cat and he's talking about what he's doing. And it's almost like David Gordon Green got this vet <laughs> and just said, right, pretend this is a documentary and you're talking about this medical procedure. And it's just two minutes of this doctor talking about this operation while he's doing it. And it's really interesting. But it's like, what what is going on here? Um, but it, 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 I, yeah, it, it's kind of like David Gordon Green going back to his George Washington, all the real girls, um, Snow Angels kind of um, uh, period. And yes, it, it's it's fucking. I thought it was fascinating. I was I was in hard. It was it was it was basically. I finished watching City Hall. I was like, okay, Manglehorn, this is on Amazon Instant. I'm gonna stick this on because I, I remember Jay Chill on Film Junk really liking it, but like. No one else really liking it. And, and oh, by the way, Harmony Corinne's in it as well. And he's so fucking sleazy. It's untrue. It's brilliant. Um, <laughs> Is he played Harmony Corinne, man? Yeah, pretty, pretty much, man. It's, oh, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, and I, I only meant to watch like the first half hour, 45 minutes, then go to bed and just watch the rest of the next day. And I just went through the whole thing and just went to bed really late. And I don't do that. I don't do that a lot, to be fair. But this film kind of had me. Um, so yeah, I was really, really taken with it. Maybe more than other people would be, considering the fact that it really just kind of it hit you in hit you in kind of emotional place. It, it yeah. hit me in a place, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. scrubbing stuff does that. Yeah, that's that's kind of like the point often of of of, of why we watch so many films and things like that is to have that kind of connection every so often. Yeah, like it might it, it might be something a little bit sort of strange or something you're not expecting. Might hit you and make you go, oh. 
all right and you know that that that's how that's how unusual kind of a different kind of loves to films uh are kind of formed because if somebody kind of says you know it, it, for instance if somebody turns around to you and says oh one of my favorite movies of all time is the godfather it's kind of a okay it's a given yeah. But for instance, if somebody turns around and says, you know what, my favourite movie of all time is Sunshine, for instance, it's a, okay, right, why? You know, you don't you don't need to ask why someone's favourite movie is Shawshank Redemption or sure. The Godfather or Star Wars. But you do, you know, it's not that, you, not that the person's wrong, but you do if it's something that's that's not a perceived kind of classic. And it's, it's the, the, the reasons for it are the kind of the little emotional connections that other people might not have with movies that... that that kind of that get us going. It's why why is people like us doing podcasts about it? Because we see films beyond kind of just the you know sit down and entertainment on a fucking Saturday night thing. Yeah, exactly, man. No, I couldn't have put that better myself. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's um, I, it, even without that stuff, I, I I personally I think it's a solid recommend. I thought it was a really really interesting idiosyncratic little number. Well, I'm definitely watching this week. The simple fact is that that I I I, I want to watch a, a good Pacino movie, a good modern Pacino movie. Yeah, man. Go back, fuck it, if I want to, I can go back and watch a fucking litany of great Pacino movies. But I want to watch a good Pacino movie that's been made in the past seven or eight years. And a Manglehorn was kind of like the one that I I thought, that looks like it could be good. And it's it's David Gordon Green and it's it's Holly Hunter. And that that could be the one. But I was always scared in case I watched that and went, do you know what? He has just gone too far now. Yeah, no. Sorry. But the fact that you're saying it, 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 it's a genuinely good movie uh, makes me kind of go, right, I want to watch it now. Totally, man. Yeah, I, I, I think you'll dig it. Cool. Um, so that's it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've got no other films that I've watched. Like I say, I've not, not watched out. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's, I think it's going to be uh, pretty heavy for me next week. I'll, uh, I'll say something here that I haven't told you yet. Yeah. The Xbox is going, because of course it is. <laughs> yeah, what are you getting? I got me an Ultra HD 4K Blu-ray player. Have you? What, what films have you Com- ordered? Comes tomorrow. What, what films have you ordered? Uh, I get with it, in the box, which is one of the reasons why I got it, Mad Max Fury Road. Yep. And San Andreas. Oh, you beautiful bastard. So um, I'm actually quite looking forward to watching San Andreas. You know what? San Andreas is a fucking great deal of fun. Yeah. I, I, I own San Andreas on iTunes and I paid nine ninety nine for it and I'm happy about it. Nice. I, if, uh, I, do you know what? Do you know what as well? What I will state now is let's say next year they bring out a 4K Apple TV box and I buy a 4K Apple TV box because there's a decent selection. I will happily rebuy San Andreas in 4K before the sequel comes out. No, the, the thing is... No, absolutely, man. No, the thing is, I, I've i been reading up on this stuff a lot. I've also... Like, the, the gaming thing, over the last week or so, I've come to the realisation that I do not have the i do not have the fucking time if i want to watch the amount of films that i want to watch i can't spend 15 hours going through a game no, i can't I, do it i i can't i mean i my the reason why i've not watched a lot of movies this 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 week is because uh i've been able to get up at like half six every morning to get to to go to work um and 
I've just not managed to get to putting a film on in time. Whereas I've watched a bit of TV stuff. I've watched like a couple of series of The League because I can watch like three episodes. Uh, and I've watched um, like half of that uh, 11, 63, um, Stephen King, Abraham's Franco series. I've watched the first half of the first series of that because they're bite-sized and you can watch them and what is it. Um, but I've just not managed to watch that, that many films. And I went out for dinner on Friday night. Um, so there's that. But also, for instance, I um, I had a game on FIFA for the... I had an hour to kill before I had to go and do um, something on Tuesday. Um, and so I played... I had a game on FIFA. I thought... I hadn't played FIFA for like a week. I thought, I, I really enjoyed that. I want to have a go tonight. And that was on Tuesday. Um, and I've not actually had another game since. So... <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. It just... I like I, there are so many films I, I want to watch and like I, I have so many blind spots with films as well and I want to I really really want to try and watch more world cinema and make more of an effort there as well and it's just it's nice when you get into the zone I think with films I like yeah. getting that, that 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 thing where occasionally because I think when you watch a lot of movies you can sometimes get a little bit kind of a little bit punch drunk with it where you've, you've kind of you've run out of pace you've run out of steam with it you need a break occasionally so whether or not it should go and you, you binge watch TV or you play a game or you get into reading again or things like that um, and then that takes you to that and then when you come back to movies and you'll watch like a couple in like a, a day or what usually happens to me is I'll watch like two movies in a day and I'll be like this has been bliss why, yeah, why, yeah. Do, I, why do I do this Why why am I not when I'm doing that or that or that, that that I don't necessarily have to do, why am I doing that instead of this? Yeah, so yeah. there's that. Yeah, I'm 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 hoping for a zone moment soon. Yeah, I mean I don't know. That that's the thing. It's like I watched like Manglehorn, and it was like if I was still like playing games as much as I was last year. I wouldn't get round to Manglehorn, mm. and it it like it was just like right, this film has really fucking hit me hard, and yet I don't think I would have I would have given it a shot because I would have gone for like e- easier picks, you know. And it's so I don't know I, I I yeah I had a bit of a of a sea change I think so. Um, yeah, and I, I, I through my work as well, I get money off with um, curries as well. So it it cost a good chunk of money. I'm not going to say how much it cost me, um, but I'm picking it up tomorrow and I'm going to hook it up and we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm going to get that high dynamic range shit going on with Mad Max tomorrow night and uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll report back next week. Cool. Sweet. So you're yeah. back on the physical copies this year? I think I think I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like I I it just the thing is reading up on the on this stuff as well, and I I've been in Curry's recently and seen Ultra HD in motion, and it really yeah I mean, it looks really 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 fucking nice like 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 Ultra HD 4K Blu-ray, it looks really great. And I, I just, I would be thinking, I, like watching Apple TV, I'd just be like, nah, nah, I can't, I can't do it now. I can't do it. It's dead to me. 
But I mean, we'll see what happens when Apple TV gets gets a 4K box. But I don't know. Like, I'm kind of thinking like I was trying to say space and stuff in in this room that I'm I record in, but I'm kind of starting to think fuck it. I'm just gonna build it up again. Why not, bud? Like, I, I I'm a I'm a changeable man as well, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I think I've had a bit of a um, a moment of clarity, um, which yeah, which has come. So I'll report back next week. Yeah. If Thanks for not it. taking the piss too heavily. If you still got it. <laughs> well, that that's the thing, man. If I get it and it's like, nah, I'm not feeling this. I will. I, I would take it back. But what I would say is the model I've gone for. It's basically there's two players that have launched in the UK. And one's about 150 quid more expensive than the other. I've gone for that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The re- the reason for it is that apparently the 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 internals and whatnot are just of a better quality. I've gone for the Panasonic one as opposed to a Samsung one, and it's like the internals are supposed to be better. Panasonic apparently. I've never owned a Panasonic piece of equipment ever. But apparently their Blu-ray players are like proper top of the line shit. And yeah. this player has been gained five out of five, like wherever it's been reviewed. Panasonic's Panasonic's hardware stuff it, it is usually fantastic, to be honest. I had a Panasonic, um, my first, actually my first uh, DVD player, I think it's Panasonic. I had a Panasonic LaserDisc player. <laughs> nice, bloody hell. I know. So, but yeah, I mean, like, and apparently the 4K upscaling is really nice as well. And it, with it being Alien Day on Tuesday, I'll be watching Alien and Aliens. So uh, oh, is it Alien Day on Tuesday? I think I might. Um, yeah, I think I might give one. I might give. I might give. I fuck it. I might give both a go. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try and give both a go and see how long I stay awake for. I'll at least get through Alien because I'll always be awake for Alien. And yeah. then um, see how it goes from there. But yeah, so I'll, I'll report back next week. Uh, those are the only two discs I w- I'm going to be getting for now. Um, I'm still I'm not thrilled about the cost of the discs. How much are they? Uh, they're like between twenty and twenty five quid. Which come down quickly. Though, yeah, I mean it's what DVD and Blu-ray started with. It, um, it also kind of slightly worries me as well. If we're getting inside baseball here, uh, I'll be quick. But um, it does worry me that like. Fox have brought out some catalogue stuff, but they've announced like, well, I, I think The Revenant is out in 4K in the US, and they've announced uh, Independence Day 4K Master is going to be out over there as well. But they haven't, and, and Deadpool is coming out on 4K over there. They haven't announced the same for the UK yet. Yeah. And Sony have a bunch of discs in the US that they haven't announced for the UK yet, but all Ultra HD Blu-rays are region free. Oh, are they? Yeah. Ah, that's interesting. All of them. So if I had to import, I don't have to worry about it, which is something. But the, the software lineup does is a slight concern, even though Universal have just announced that they're going to be releasing content by the end of the year. Ian, uh, the uh, 4K, the Blu-ray 4K Blu-ray uh, of The Amazing Spider-Man is 1196 on Amazon. I have a feeling that's the mastered in 4k i i think it is the mastered in yes it is the mastered in 4k yeah sony were very very cheeky last ah. year where they released a bunch of things mastered in 4k where they were blu-rays but mastered in 4k but apparently, yeah, they, apparently they did look better 
Yeah, because I'm just looking now. There are, yeah, yeah. There's a very di- there's a difference between what they call them. On Amazon, they're called 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, and or, or they're called um, Blu-ray 4K. Yeah, and Blu-ray yeah. 4K is the the mastered. Mastered yeah. in 4K ones. Yeah, there you go, man. Like you've got to be really, really, really careful with this shit, and it, which is frustrating. And also the thing I was talking about a, a few weeks back as well, where you know a lot of these are shot in 2K or have a, a digital intermediate done in 2K. So what you get on the on the 4K Blu-rays are upscales. Ender's game seventeen pounds. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I'm looking now. Uh, Expendables three is fourteen pound fifty. You know, the thing it, is, though, do, do you need to watch Expendables three in that? The thing is, if it was less than a tenner, I'd probably give it a go just for something to watch. It's like Chappie as well. It's twenty pound eighty three. If Chappie in four K was fifteen quid, I'd buy it. Yeah. I like the thing is as well, Chappie was actually uh, um, uh, finished off in 4K. So, and apparently that looks amazing. Uh, oh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, £21.20. That's way too much fucking money for Amazing Spider-Man 2. But <laughs> it was filmed in 35mm and it's got a 4K digital intermediate. So apparently it looks great. Um, but all of Fox's stuff apparently uh, is 2K upconverts. Um, Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice is available for pre-order. It's the only 4K Blu-ray actually available for pre-order at the moment. That was a 2K DI, so they look better apparently, but they don't look as better as they should do. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but we'll 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 see. We'll see. I mean, in in the end of the day. If the if the PS4.5, whatever it is, is going to have a 4K Blu-ray player in it, then 4K con- Blu-ray content is going to explode. Yeah. Uh, but we, I, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. The thing is, I'm now of the opinion that I just want to see shit in, a, in as pretty a format as possible. Yes. And, and this is as pretty as possible. So Mad Max tomorrow, baby. <laughs> I'm gonna watch Fury Road for what the fourth time, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Why not, bud? I don't blame you. Good on you. Fuck it. <laughs> anyway, uh, right next week, Civil War. Yes. Uh, yes. Are we? Uh, I I don't know whether Noel's coming on or not. Is he away? He's away, so I don't think he. No, he's watching it while he's away. He's watching it while he's, he's watching away. it while he's away because he tweeted, uh, he tweeted, he did it, he WhatsApped us um, saying, I'll be watching uh, Civil War in this cinema. Uh, and he, he's watching it, I think, while he's in Denmark. So he will be, he will be joining us next week, but we might not be recording on Sunday. Actually, on Sunday, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's, that's, that's fair enough then. Um, okay, so that's going to do it. Yeah, um, cool. I, 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 I'm double billing next week as well because I really want to see Demolition. Oh shit! Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, okay. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm I'm more looking forward to Demolition than I am Civil War. I'm I'm pretty pumped for Civil War. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking forward to War. But uh, what I will say now is a lot rests on Civil War for me. What in terms of your feelings on Marvel going forward? Yeah, if I come out of that underwhelmed as I do out of most Marvel movies, I am firmly of the I'm going to be on the place where I'm going to go. Do you know what? They're not for me. They're, okay. just, they, they, they're just not for me. I'm going to rewatch 
Um, Winter Soldier this week. Um, As am I, and Age of Ultron. I don't know if I can bring myself to rewatch that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it. Fuck it, I haven't I, done it since the cinema. So I have a feeling like I might have to, but I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm gonna rewatch it. I have watched it twice actually. I've watched it since the cinema, Age of Ultron, um, and I, I, I thought it was all right at the cinema. It was okay, very underwhelming. All right, I genuinely thought on rewatch that it was, it was a bad movie. Um, uh, so yeah, but. I, 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 but I think I might have to rewatch it just for the fact that I want to know exactly what's going on in Civil War because I think it looks fantastic. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I like I, I I'm very 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 hopeful for Civil War. Uh, I like the fact that Empire actually gave it five stars, which they haven't mm. done for a Marvel Studios film yet. Yeah, but they've also given five stars to to a lot of films that have had a lot of coverage before. <laughs> Well, no, well, I, I, I genuinely think that's a bit unfair. Kingdom um, of the Crystal Skulls. Yes. They get, they get five stars. Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I mean, they, go, they, they gave and five then, stars for Attack of the Clones. You know, and I mean, they have then, more. Yes. And then with Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, they actually have the audacity to a couple of months later reverse it to a three star. Well, with the same review content. Pretty much, yeah. They 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 revisited it, and not like a year later, just a few months later. I mean, this is interesting. I mean, I think the way social media is now, in the way that you can call out publications very directly and very publicly, I I think they probably have to have a lot more. Are you absolutely sure about this? Because we could get crucified. A kind a kind of. Well, Justification I, to it. I don't want to give a, a, a give away a name of somebody because they they still um, they still work within the the industry. Uh, I know somebody who reviewed Avatar for um, for a, a magazine. Yeah, a, a magazine that might be a very popular film magazine. It submitted their review with a two out of five, uh, and uh, it was printed with a five out of five. Sure. Yeah, because they were basically told. Look, we've given you a lot of a lot of coverage, a lot of onset access, a lot of this, a lot of this. We're getting five fucking stars. <laughs> so I, I always take stuff like that with a fucking with a pinch of salt, to be honest. Yeah, I. Is that? Well, I, I I don't know. It's just the fact that they could have gone five stars for a lot of them in in the past, and I think people would have been all right with it. So the fact that they've, you know, they've not done that. I mean, to be fair, I don't think any of them have got less than a three. But then again, I don't think I'd give any of them less than a three so far. So, you know, there you go. We'll see. Anyway, we'll see. And there's a bunch of other shit I want to watch. I mean, like Son of Saul, the um, foreign language Oscar winner, um, comes out and occurs on home cinema on Friday. So um, I'm hoping to get that watched because nothing says bank holiday weekend like a Holocaust drama. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I, you know, I'm... I'm suitably interested in that as well. So it, it, it will probably be a very busy one next week. Yes. And um, that's going to do it. Oh, The Forger starring John Travolta is three ninety nine for a limited time on iTunes. Get on that. Um, I will pass. Not surprised. Uh, actually, I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> I, I think it's actually on Netflix. 
oh well there you go then that's the only reason though isn't it I yeah I want some of that. Oh, I'd, I'd be all over that shit I want some of, I want some of me of that shit I want me some of that shit Jesus fucking Christ I've got to stop talking uh, <laughs> thank you very much for listening everybody we will yes, see you next much. week well no we will speak to you next week I'll see you outside your house yes <laughs> um, looking through your bins and um, have a good weekend if you hear that out there no it's not a fox going through your bins it's me bye (laughs) bye